welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I'm back in Richmond, back in the studio. I'm joined by a man who gets the gold medal for airport sprinting. His name <laughs> is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I like that. I like the golden analogy because I feel like it's uh, representative of Superman getting his power from the sun. <laughs> Daryl apparently gets his power from this office. Once he's back, he can be loud. But it's a big hello. I like to think that this office fueled that uh, frantic sprint to, <laughs> to our airplane with one minute to spare. So as you probably knew, we were in Orlando last week for yeah. the MLS all-star game Mm -hmm. we made a mistake and if you heard our Richmond Kickers Weekly show we recorded the end of that show and then we're straight out of the hotel straight to the airport Our Lyft driver didn't help. She did not. She refused to take toll roads. Uh-huh. Added, what, 20 minutes to the journey. We're about to sprint, Daryl. We're about to sprint. Yeah. <laughs> red lights. There's red lights everywhere. Yeah, but um, after this red light, we're going to sprint. <laughs> till the next red light. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> four stars. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we really did get to Orlando Airport probably too late to make our flight. And yet we made our flight. One, because of sprinting. Mm-hmm. We really did. We, we, we The, the uh, attendant said we ran track yep. <laughs> to, get to, the, uh, mm-hmm. to get to the plane. But the kindness the kind of strangers. Of strangers. <laughs> we did not coordinate so that. So many people, when we explained the situation, let us skip yep. ahead of them in lines for check-in, in lines for security. One person even volunteered it. He's like, hey, are you guys late? And we're like, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, you can go in front of me. It's fine. I have never felt mm-hmm. so much goodwill in an airport. Yes. Maybe Disneyland and Universal Studios really do put people in a better mood. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe like <laughs> arriving and existing in Orlando, less so. But when you're leaving Orlando, <laughs> then you're in a good mood. So we made it. Yes. We're here. We're in the office. Oh, boy. And we're going to do some listener questions yes. today. Before we do, I want to let people know about Soccer 101. Do we have another show? We, there's no new episodes. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I've been told by our friend and listener, uh, Patrick, mm-hmm. that um, people might not be aware that we did it what he called Netflix style, <laughs> which is we dropped them all at once. Oh, right, because they show up in, like, the, like the order of recency, right? So I didn't realize yeah. this. I don't, listen, I don't listen to my podcast this way, but some people just have, like, this podcast they subscribe to, yep. and then they have a feed of recently published episodes. Yeah, that's and how that, I do it. That's mm-hmm. how you do it? Yep. So for you, all of Sucker 101 would have shown up in one day yep. and then never would have shown up again. Uh, which right? is what happened, yes. I yeah. went back and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and scrolled and there it was. Okay, so maybe we made a mistake. <laughs> we, might, we might maybe eke out the next season, like mm. maybe a day at a time. But right now there are 10 episodes of Sucker 101. But you actually have to go to Sucker 101 um, and click available episodes or whatever it is that you use. Um, and then the entire list is there. And we've numbered them at listeners' requests as we have. well. So please go and give Sucker One a listen. Do it. 101 a listen. I promise it's good because we worked really hard on it. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> Did you find the – like maybe this is a bit of a humble brag. I don't mean for it to be, but it's a genuine question for you. Did you find that like the compliments we got on Soccer 101 in Orlando were like, it's such an obvious idea. You guys did it well. Like yeah. I feel like it was a like obviously do this podcast. It makes sense. Oh, and then you guys are fine. <laughs> like, it, was, it was a weird compliment born of no, like I, – I took it as a compliment okay. that um, it's so obvious yet no one else has thought of it. There it is. You know what I mean? That's a better so way to I, I mean – I'm very good at making sure things feel like compliments to me, <laughs> no matter what. Are we all like, do you have uh, Kenneth Parcell vision where we're all just Muppets, like yes. happily <laughs> popping around? All right, cool. Enough. Good, good, good. I'm glad to know that. That makes me feel good. <laughs> all right. And coming up later this mm-hmm. week, Premier League previews. Yep. So get ready for those. Not from me. Not I'm from Taylor. Fleeing the state. Taylor's on a well-earned vacation, right? Because uh, Margaret finished the bar, mm-hmm. finally. Yeah. So you guys are going to go go and relax. We are. Go put it, your feet up. It is our genuinely uh, our first vacation in six years. I think the last vacation what? we took was maybe five years. I think the last one we took was with you and your wife after the 2014 World Cup. That is the last time we went on vacation. No way. Mm-hmm. And you went to the exact same place as well. We are. Yeah. <laughs> so the secret to the Total Soccer Show is we never take a vacation. 
conversation. Never. <laughs> and we don't sleep. We wait. <laughs> we just drink coffee all mm-hmm. night. Um, so, yeah, but there will be Premier League previews next week. It'll be me interviewing various experts about all the big teams. Can't promise all 20 teams, but we'll go as low as, say, seventh in the table last year. Will there be at least some British accents on there aside from your own? Oh, yes. <sighs> Thankfully. Okay, that's, that's the other secret to podcasting. <laughs> you can get double British at oh, least a couple of times. That's, that's lovely. Yeah. Does that make you less British if there, someone else is more British on there? Probably, because I'll right. be saying words like soccer. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> but are, are, do, you have a, do you feel a dilemma there, or will you call it soccer? It depends on I'm talking you're to. Gonna we'll see. I might do some coaching. You're going to call it football. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. You can't stop you're me. Gonna you're going to say shin you'll pads. Be, and, you'll uh, be on vacation. And about. Or, or like, uh, <laughs> you don't say about. Near, no, no. What's the one that you say? Just about. Just about. Just mm-hmm. about. You are just about correct. There we are. Uh, all right. So, should we get to today's listener questions? I see what you did there. Yeah, I know. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> let's see if you keep your rosy disposition with the first question. Uh, Dylan Tilbury asks, do you think that the U.S. national team general manager idea might be a mistake? So, this is Ernie Stewart's job, mm-hmm. his U.S. men's national team general manager. I will say Dylan add, added a lot of text. I was going to say this is very brief. After his question, Dylan thinks it's a mistake. Okay. <laughs> but we don't want to – I don't like answering questions where it's like, here's my opinion. <laughs> Please discuss. So I've just gone with the actual question part uh, of the question. I may ask you uh, – because full disclosure, I have not read Dylan's full question. Yeah. So I may ask you for why he thinks it's a bad idea later on. Okay. Uh, but, but right now my answer is nope. Yeah, okay. So please that, explain. Do I have to? Okay. Can you expand on that? I mean, because I, I don't I don't think there's a reason to say it's a mistake at all. I mean, right now we, we've seen Ernie Stewart get the job. We've seen him theoretically have a good hiring process to bring in Greg Berhalter. Aside from that, I feel like people He's, would— He certainly took his time. He did. He did. But after that, I feel like that seems to be a lot of the basis for the criticism of Ernie Stewart. I, I do think Ernie Stewart is— if not actively, then intentionally limiting his media appearances. I think we don't yeah. see a lot of interviews from him. I think he doesn't want to be front I think he center. Like it. He looks, I've heard as well that he doesn't yeah. enjoy mm-hmm. talking to people. I think he. I actually like this about him. He doesn't enjoy answering stupid questions about soccer. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. I think if we could get him in a room and ask him some like tactical questions, he'd be. He might be into it, but he doesn't want to answer these sort of very basic questions you get in press conferences. Yeah, and, and I think there's also probably an awareness that a lot, like the inclination. You, I'm sure you've experienced this, but like there's that inclination when you have a person you've not interviewed before. If we had Ernie Stewart in this office, there is this like burning desire to be like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? All questions from after the failure to qualify and in his hiring, and it's stuff that he's gone over a hundred yeah. times already so he probably doesn't want to talk about it but he knows he's going to be asked yeah, yeah. about it so he doesn't really want to participate in it but I also think that it's because he's doing other stuff at least I guess maybe that's what I'm choosing to believe <laughs> but I think one thing that you and I have sort of continuously found about US soccer and about Major League Soccer uh, I promise no one in MLS is like holding one of my relatives like hostage <laughs> for me to say this I promise this isn't just coming back from Orlando but I do think there's, there's Matt often, Doyle's holding your mother hostage I mean he might be I wouldn't put it past him he is He's growing the beard long and shaving the head like completely. He does have the Bond villain look to him. Uh, we did find him seated by himself in a Colombian restaurant, casually inviting us to join him in dining. So yeah, okay, I feel like yeah. maybe he is a Bond villain. He, did, he spun around and he said, I've been expecting you. Exactly. <laughs> Except that was only because we were 20 minutes late. But still. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I think that there is oftentimes a lot more going on than we see. And, yeah. I, and I do think sometimes to their own disservice, U.S. soccer tries to keep things quiet. Yeah. All right. So let me throw you some mm. of Dylan's uh, sure. sort of uh, objections to the general well, manager. Where are role. you on this one first? If you I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad there's a general manager. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get into the reasons why later sure. if you like, but let's, let's give Dylan his, uh, sure. his, his moment. Um, essentially, he said he's just adding an extra layer of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Um, he also 
suggest that um, it's. <laughs> I, mean, I don't agree with this one, but it's worth uh, tossing out there. There's money spent on the general manager role mm-hmm. that could just be more salary to get an even better <laughs> to hire an even better coach. Yeah. I'm not sure a shortage of cash is the is the issue given what we paid. Jürgen Klinsmann, Agreed. right? Um, then the other, the, the general criticism of the general manager role is that essentially it's just a buffer between, you know, the uh, the head coach job and then the sort of US soccer president and the CEO jobs so that they have someone else they can blame if things go wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, a way of seeing it. And I think the way it, it, it somehow has never like crystallized for me why, why it would be a mistake to have a head coach and then a general manager hired. And I think like only in this hiring process did it become clear that the idea is a GM hires a person that they want to hire. So yeah. it's the, if Daryl brings in an intern, we'll flip this around, I'll put myself in the firing line here. If I bring an intern into the office and say like, oh yeah, I've hired this intern, like they're going to be great, they're going to do this, they're going to be that, and then they don't do it, Daryl is within his rights to be like, hey, you brought this person in, you've got to kind of like answer for them, yeah. you've got to kind of step up and, and help them, or you've got to say like, you're right, I made a mistake. And I think... You're right. It's a buffer, but that's literally what maybe the job is. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's to basically insulate Jay Bur- Jay Berhalter. Whoops, Greg Berhalter. Uh, yeah, see, there's the MLS slip coming in. <laughs> uh, it's to insulate Greg Berhalter so he can do what he wants with Ernie Stewart, kind of providing him cover in case things don't go well or there's criticism. It's kind of it allows Ernie Stewart to do other things and Greg Berhalter to do other things independent yeah. of U.S. soccer constantly asking questions. And speaking of doing other things, do you remember the problem where they wanted to fire Jurgen Klinsmann yeah. after we lost the Concacaf Cup to Mexico? Mm-hmm. That sort of one-off playoff for the Confederations Cup, uh, but Dan Flynn, the CEO, had I think a heart attack or heart yeah. surgery, um, and so they couldn't make any decisions because he was out of action, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and also, obviously, as the CEO, Dan Flynn has all kinds of other like responsibilities and things that he's focused on. So, to have someone whose job is only to be concerned about the U.S. men's national team, um, I think, is important because yeah. then not distracted. I think the other thing for me is continuity. Ernie Stewart has hired someone who plays a style of soccer that Ernie Stewart likes, yep. right? And if you don't, um, you want to see the evidence for this, Ernie Stewart's Dutch, right? Yep. He loves the Dutch style of soccer, the possession style of soccer. Greg Berhalter is very Ernie much... Ernie Stewart is American, thank you. Well, he's both, right? But um, yeah. but he's in the Dutch culture of soccer. More on Dutch Americans later. Oh, oh yeah, we're going to talk to Gino Dest yeah. uh, later. Greg Berhalter, like, he played in the Netherlands. You watch his style of soccer, it's a very Dutch style, very possession-heavy Um that is now because of Ernie Stewart. Mm-hmm. That's the style of U.S. soccer. So if, for example, Greg Berhalter gets fired or moves on or whatever in a couple of years or sooner, whatever happens, you can imagine there's going to be some continuity where if Ernie Stewart's still the GM, and I would hope that you have a GM in, in place for a long time, he's going to hire someone with a similar-ish approach. You're mm-hmm. not going to hire some long ball guy. He's not going to hire Jose Mourinho. No. You know what I'm saying? So it, you, it provides some continuity uh, between coaches and a style of soccer, which then everyone's always asked for this. They want an American style of soccer. What is it? What is it? What is it? Mm-hmm. Right. It, it comes from Ernie Stewart now. And hopefully he's not in charge of the U.S. youth national teams, but he's definitely involved. Right. I feel like the three most important people are Ernie Stewart, GM, Tab Ramos, youth technical director and Greg Berhalter, men's national team coach. You've got to imagine those guys sit in a room at U.S. Soccer House semi-regularly mm-hmm. and talk about the vision for American soccer. And that involves like how the U-17s play how the u20s play it gives a more sort of holistic approach yeah. to to all of us men's soccer yes rant yeah. over that's fair i think it's a fair rant so i, I think 
it just comes back to no. At least I don't think it's it's a mistake right now. Now maybe if like Berhalter doesn't do anything and Ernie Stewart like doesn't do anything either, or the United States kind of regresses, then we reevaluate that. But yeah. it's in a re- reevaluation down the line when we have like more data to back it up, as opposed to yeah. it feels like things are wrong. It feels like this could be better. Maybe this could be this. When you have a lot of conditionals in your thesis, yeah, yeah. I, th- I guess you're supposed to. But when you have a lot of <laughs> conditionals as your evidence, I should say, yes. that's where it's a bit more like, I don't know when those conditionals are proven or not, yeah. then you have, have actual evidence. Yeah, so let's wait and see how it goes yeah. with the general manager for the US men's national team. We've tried it without and we didn't make the World Cup, so let's try yes. it with. All right, let's try that. <laughs> let's try the next question. Okay, you would like me to ask it? Sure. Um, Josh Handelman. Josh Handelman says, mm-hmm. people are naturally freaking out about US soccer possibly losing dual nationals like Sergino Dest or Julian Araujo. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know, um, Sergino Dest gave an interview recently to, I think, Ajax TV, where someone asked him, like, hey, do you, you prefer to play for the American national team or the Dutch national mm-hmm. team? And he essentially said, I'm with the US national team right now. No one from the Dutch have ever, like, called mm-hmm. me up. But, you know, I'm always open to, to this or that. And then Julian Araujo, um, Mexico, he's played for US, uh, mm-hmm. what, under-20s? He's been with the under-23s. I think he's been with the U-17s in the past. Um, someone from the Me- I don't know who it was. Someone from the Mexican Federation apparently reached out to Araujo mm-hmm. recently, and they are making overtures towards uh, this young, talented Mexican-American. So, Josh's question, how much of this is about a lack of communication, the possibility of us losing them? And should we be asking why players in leadership roles aren't making calls? Like, should potential future captain Weston McKenney be texting Sergino Dest? Should Paxton Pomacal be calling Julian Araujo? Julian Araujo? Uh, Julian Araujo? Who knows these things? Um, I have a couple of thoughts on this one. Um, The first one is that I think it's important. um, You and I rarely take very, very strong stances in terms of like, we're sure this is going to be the case. It's definitely going to be like this. Not because we're like afraid to take those stances, but because so often – they can be quickly like they're right or wrong instantly and then what's the point? Now you're just kind of arguing and suddenly you're a talking head yeah. person. That said, I do think you and I maybe got Jonathan Gonzalez wrong. And I think that's not necessarily a thing that we've talked about very much. But yeah. I think because of the season he was having at the time when he switched from USA to Mexico. And we were watching Monterey games. Yeah, almost we, every Monterey game getting excited yeah. about Jonathan Gonzalez. And we were seeing him be a, an accomplished professional running a midfield for a very good team. Yeah. Now Destroying he, opposition midfields. Exactly. And he may still be that player and maybe it's just gone bad for him at Monterey and then he moves and suddenly he's right back to it but right now that feels a, one of the most kind of like burned moments I've had I think doing yes. this show because we can... were so sure it was going to be a huge miss and now I'm not so sure. Oh, I, I'm almost. I actually, I think you. I thought you were referring to a different thing. Where mm-hmm. I remember when he wasn't called up for a November friendly. Yeah. Uh, but it was because Monterey was sort of between games. Mm. I was definitely um, yeah. on the bandwagon of saying. It's okay. U.S. soccer aware of him. He wants to play yeah. for the U.S. We just can't call him up because he's between these two really important Monterey. I think it's like a playoff game and a Copa MX mm-hmm. game. And I was like, it's okay. He'll be in the next one. By the time the next one rolled yeah. around, he'd already he'd already one time switched with the sort of semi promise of maybe a World Cup opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think like when you and I were on stage with Tabramos in Philly, like we asked questions about you know like losing dual nationals and aren't you concerned? And he gave at the time an answer that I wasn't particularly satisfied with, and it was sort of like. It's up to these guys to make the decisions for themselves. That seems yeah. to be the line that U.S. soccer tends to go with. Yeah, I still don't love that. I still think— I don't either. And, okay. that's, and that's the confusing thing for me is that, like, 
you can say that when you have a proven track record of bringing people in. When it's kind of dicey and it's at times like German-Americans because Jurgen Klinsmann knows a bunch of German-Americans but maybe fewer Mexican-Americans, mm-hmm. it's harder for me to believe that. But I guess what I would prefer to think of now is sort of like look at Sergino Dest and look at where he comes from and you understand that like, yeah, he is going to have to make a choice. And and for those who don't know, born in the Netherlands. Yeah. Played his whole career in the Netherlands. um, Has American heritage Mm -hmm. and U.S. soccer kind of found him and brought him in. It's a miracle that he's playing for the U.S. under 20s at all, right? He really should be in the Dutch youth system. And like, and I and I I will just like statistically, you would have guessed that would that's what would have happened. You would, and I think it's worth noting that, like, like if you grow up in the Dutch system, I mean this. In, a, in the most honest way, it's like you probably aren't growing up thinking about like scoring the winning goal at the Rose Bowl for the U.S. national team. You're thinking about scoring the winning goal for the Dutch the, national the team. Bowl. For Ajax. Exactly. Of course, that's what it is. So like I, I just think that he's a teenager who now suddenly could be playing meaningful minutes for Ajax, yeah, the, yeah. The, the biggest team in the Netherlands. Uh-huh. So Shots you know, fired at Feyenoord and PSV. The, uh, the, the opening game this weekend against Vitesse, yeah. first Eredivisie game, he didn't play, but he was on the bench. So he, he is a first-team squad player at Ajax. Right. Now. And I think if somebody asked me as a teenager – you know, do you want to play for like you could play for Brazil? Like, what do you think? I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can. Yes, please. Like, <laughs> like, uh, you, I think you can forgive him for having those moments of like, yeah, I'm both things, but also he's playing for a Dutch team. He doesn't want to be like, nah, I never want to play in the Netherlands. That'd be terrible. <laughs> like, what? So it's it is hard when you're yeah. that person to navigate that question, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. So with all of that rambling out of the way, just to say that, like, I think I have in the past been very freaked out about the prospect of losing dual nationals. But I think that is a thing where once you get into the fear of like we're losing this guy and this guy and this guy, you start to only see the people that we are maybe potentially losing. And I think you stop focusing on the people that have stayed or also the fact that like there isn't oftentimes a lot that you can do. And I say that to the second part of the question, like I think there is a chance that Paxton Pomacall is calling Julian Araujo. Or Weston McKinney is calling Sergino Des. I think yeah. they talk. Well, no, right? No, no one's on those group texts. Josh isn't on those group texts. No. We're not on those group texts. We don't. We don't know. Who's, and I guess who's ex- contacting who? Exactly, yeah. and that's what I mean. Again, when, like going back to like U.S. Uh, GM position. Like I think a lot more happens than we realize. But yeah, of course, Weston McKinney's not going to be like, yeah, I'm out there recruiting him every day. Like that kind of blows up that spot. Like I think these players, yeah, they all communicate. They all have relationships going back. Yeah, ten years for some of these dudes. So like I think they probably are communicating pretty regularly I think it comes down to a lot of other factors the the big question a lot of people have is mm-hmm. should US soccer be doing more yeah. though should Ernie Stewart be like going in and almost you know how like congressmen have to dial for dollars <laughs> should yeah. he just sit down and be like alright for the next seven hours I'm making phone calls around the world to various dual nationals uh no okay. I think is is my, my answer because there's two reasons for this one I think with everything I've just said I don't want to just assume he's not doing that yeah. just because... Or someone's not doing yeah, that. He because, may delegate that to someone else. Exactly. Right? Like, and, and so, Which would be smart. I think that would be I, I'm to sure do. there are people who are frustrated by that answer because they're like, well, of course he's not doing it. We would know if he were, but we wouldn't because they don't want everybody knowing. We don't want the Mexican FA knowing that we're going after this person or yeah. definitely trying to go for that person. I think there is a thing where Araujo had mentioned that maybe he hadn't heard from anyone in a little while yeah. from mm-hmm. US soccer, but he just went to the U20 World Cup exactly. in May. Exactly. And and, and so that and that's so the, there's uh, evidence that the U, that US soccer values him, right? And, and he's been up to a U23 squad yeah. and he's only what 17, 18 years old it, like, right? I, yeah and so like it goes the other way at a certain point that if, if Ernie Stewart is calling everybody every single day to make sure they're still happy you know like do you want to be around the person who's like you still like me though right you still want to be with me right you still like me right 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 please don't leave like then like no like, that's not going to be a great look I and, struggle to stay friends with that person exactly and then the final point of that is also that like if Ernie Stewart is calling 
I'm taking it to the extreme level here, but if Ernie Stewart is calling 15 people a day, at a certain point, it's going to be that, like, so, what you been up to? Like, scrambling, <laughs> like, looking through his notes, like, didn't play, what? didn't play, didn't, oh, uh, okay, what no, you that's, have for lunch? <laughs> exactly, like, oh, no, wait, that's Juliana Rajo's page, wrong page, oh, yeah, you were recently playing with the U7, like, 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 <laughs> like, like I don't know, I think it makes things more impersonal, and more so, of a, like, gotta catch them all approach. Essentially, are we just too panicky? I think so. Yeah. I, I think, because it really, if you pause and think about it, this is where maybe I may be putting my foot in my mouth. It, it is one of those things that, like, who have we really lost out on? Okay, so Giuseppe Rossi. But if you heard the Cooligans interview yeah. with Giuseppe Rossi, mm-hmm. he grew up with uh, an Italian father mm-hmm. watching Italian soccer, dreaming of playing for Italy. Right. There was a, the U.S. soccer never had a chance. Once he became so big, they never had a chance of him choosing the U.S. over Italy because he was Italy through and through. And I put him in a different category because he's also one who, like, he was on the radar. People were talking to him. He yeah. he made a choice. And mm-hmm. I guess that's the other difference is like he is a player who it wasn't a no one ever spoke to me, so I guess I'll just play for Italy. It was a I am going to play for Italy unless something ridiculous happens. That was the dream. He said yeah. that was the dream. Yeah. yeah. Subotic is maybe the other one that I think people point to is like there were some communication issues with I think Thomas Rongen I think was yeah, maybe I in there. Stuff, yeah. Thomas Rongen seems to figure in a couple of these. So there's the Subotic one. Then there's Jonathan Gonzalez. But for every Jonathan Gonzalez, I guess I feel like there's a Jesse Gonzalez who I remember being like, oh no, we're going to lose another really talented player, yeah, yeah. Mexican-American goalkeeper. He's really, really good. And as soon as he committed to the U.S., When's I, the last time you and I talked about Jesse Gonzalez? I, we're, we're plenty critical of the U.S. Soccer Federation, yeah. right? But I think in this instance, the misses are what people remember. But yep. people like take for granted when we actually pull people in. Tyler Boyd is a recent example, right? We got him to stop accepting call-ups for New Zealand yeah. and commit to the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's a recent success. Yeah. 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 And, yes, and, like, and you have those people who make the decision – and he made a decision. He yeah. made a decision to not play for New Zealand, to play for the United States. Again, that's a choice that he made. Yes, he probably gets some level of contact from U.S. soccer. But for every one of those, there's a Timmy Chandler. And if Timmy Chandler doesn't have the few games he has with the national team and maybe never gets called up, now suddenly it's a, how can you not call him up? Yeah, He's yeah. this in- incredible player in the Bundesliga. He'd, he'd do great away to Honduras. Exactly. We've got to get him in there. <laughs> and so I guess like, like once you call that person up and see what they are or aren't, then it kind of doesn't matter yeah. as much. But if you don't get them, if you're not able to call them up, then it always remains a what if, what could have been. And I'll be honest, Jonathan Gonzalez still hurts. He does. I was just so excited yep. about his style of play. And in hindsight, I think part of it is missing the World Cup mm-hmm. is what made it easier for Jonathan Gonzalez to think, well, the other team's going to the yeah. World Cup. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I know exactly what you're saying. <sighs> All right, so many more questions to get to. Mm-hmm. Six more, to be precise. But first, today's Total Soccer Show is sponsored by... Dollar Shave Club, mm-hmm. purveyors of quality bathroom products. They are. And I have to say... Washroom? Bathroom? I, toiletries? I think I say restroom. Restroom, yes, all right. Yes, it is the polite euphemism that I go with every time. <laughs> um, and, and I would like to say that I appreciate Dollar Shave Club for a, a product we have not talked about, strangely enough. Okay. They're actual razors. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, going to Orlando, did not have time to shave before I uh, left. And now packing for the beach, I have not yet had time to like, clean up either. Okay. But I will because Dollar Shave Club allows yeah, you, you have to more pack. Vo- you have more volume than usual. I do. I know. i got to trim this down. <laughs> but they sent us uh, some very nice razors yeah. uh, that basically travel easily. Uh, I tend to use like the safety razor, which requires you like screw on an actual razor and it's a big hunk and metal thing. Oh, yeah. yeah I like that. the brush that paints on shaving cream. 
Or you could just use a razor. <laughs> and like that's it does make it that much easier for travel and for like ease of purpose, for ease of storage, yeah. for ease of shaving in general. You could just use, you know, a standard razor that works a little bit easier. So your thumbs up on the Dollar Shave Club razor. I am, I am. All right. Um but it's not just about razors, Mm-mm. right? There are also shampoo. Yep. The toothbrush, which we keep on talking about. My or wife, toothbrush if you my need. wife has stolen the toothbrush. What? Uh yeah. Toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prep scrub, which I'm not even gonna get into because I think people are sick of Do you like that? <laughs> people are sick of Do you use it as as toothpaste? Talk about it. To Excuse prep me? your gums? Pre- yeah. No. It's got the little like, bits in it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it scrubs It scrubs all of the uh, the plaque buildup off my, your teeth. My dentist would not be impressed if I did that. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> He'd be like, what happened yeah. here? Did you eat sand? <laughs> have you been eating sand? <laughs> you shouldn't do that. You have misused this product. <laughs> <laughs> and Dollar Shave Club keeps you automatically stocked up on the products you use. So when Daryl inevitably runs out of the prep scrub, I don't know what he'll do. Except that he'll, he'll, he'll contact Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> they will uh, help him like keep his stock high. Yes. So he remains exfoliated at all times. <laughs> right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. How do you do that? Well, the ultimate starter sets have basically everything you need for an mm-hmm. amazing shower, a close shave, or clean teeth. The best part is you can try each one for just $5. The ultimate starter sets are $5. After that, the restock box ships regular size products at regular prices. Get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. That URL, Tyler? dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. Thank you very much to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring today's episode of the Total Soccer Show. More questions, Daryl. Next up is Keith Earps, okay. who asks, USMNTers Sergino Dest, talked about him, and Nick Lima have both been playing at left back for their clubs, um, despite being right-footed players. I know you are proponents of left-sided defenders being left-footed, but could they play their way into, or, into your USMNT ideal 11? It'd be a big ask for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you have to be the proper foot to play mm-hmm. fullback because otherwise all your passes start going um, yeah. in one direction. It gets kind of predictable. Um, there's also the issue of the way that Berhalter sets up the U.S. Mm-hmm. men's national team. Neither Nick Lima nor Sergino Dest can play what is essentially left centre-back, right? The reason it's Tim Ream is not because of his marauding runs forward. It's because he's essentially a left-back, so that when... A centre-back, yeah. so that when the uh, the right-back pushes forward or the right-back pushes into midfield, which is it's going to do one or the other, right? You have a back three of two centre-backs plus the left-back becomes the left centre-back. True. So Dest and Lima can't do that. So in the current system, there's no way. But we have had questions, and maybe this is what Keith is getting at, of what if you switched it around? Because we've talked about, like, what if a team identifies that, oh, the right-sided uh, fullback, let's say it is Dest, uh, is getting forward every single time. That leaves space behind that we could attack. Yeah. So now if Berhalter wanted to flip it and have the right-back become that like right-center-back and the left-back became the marauding back, could one of these people do that role on the left side? So you would need um, either both fullbacks are mm-hmm. capable of both getting forward, playing midfield, and being a centre-back. Mm-hmm. And we just don't have that level of versatility in any of our fullbacks mm-hmm. to switch back and forth. The other thing we did see, do you remember at one point, I think it was Will Trapp, dropped in to the mm-hmm. back three. So the other like complete tactical shift would be if Berhalter decided we're going to let the fullbacks just get forward when they need to and the third centre-back will actually be one of our midfielders stepping mm-hmm. back. So that's the solution, right, if you want to get to this level. Um, I, I think- uh, uh, maybe, but I still don't understand why couldn't you just flip it and have a right the right back become the right center back, and then the left back is the one who attacks. Like if you basically just oh, I think you're talking it. mid-game. Like no, when we I'm need done. to flip it mid-game, you need the flexibility of everybody being able to. That's do That's my everything. mistake. No, you're, I just, you're I just meant the start. Yeah, like just for like, could you have one of them be your left back if they were going to well, be I think attacking? The role? point of doing it the way we do it is to have Pulisic and uh, Ariola operating on that 
left side. Mm-hmm. And I think you make it harder for Pulisic if you're wait, if he's waiting for the fullback. Like Tyler Boyd waits yep. for the fullback to come forward before he can go inside, right? So I think it makes it more complicated from a Christian mm-hmm. Pulisic perspective. It's interesting now we know so much about Berhalter's system, about how all the pieces mm-hmm. uh, fit together. Um, but that's why I was leading us towards the idea of that thing where, say, Will Trapp came and made the third yeah. centre-back and then both fullbacks can get forward. We kind of tried it against Venezuela as well, right? And it went horribly. Or Jamaica. You know, we essentially had wing-backs. Yeah. Um, so, assuming that we do, do get to this space where we want an attacking left-back, mm-hmm. could it be Sergino Desto or Nick Lima? For me, it's hard, but it depends what Sergino Desto does at Ajax. If he's yes. tearing it up from left-back with his, his right peg, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I could, I could live with it. Yeah. Because of the quality of play he'd be, the quality of competition he'd be um, uh, participating in, it's kind of hard to argue against, right? It is. My, my question then would be, though, that like, if you want somebody who's a left back but is very attacking and fast, does Anthony Robinson come back into the equation at that point? Do you give him a chance too, or do you think maybe you go with Actually, uh, youngsters who haven't yet done That's it? a good comparison. If you were asking me like, who's going to be your attacking left back if yeah. you're playing that shape and the choices between Anthony Robinson and what we've seen of him mm-hmm. and Sergino Dest with his right foot and what we've seen of him, right now I would say Sergino Dest. That's, that's troubling, but I yeah, agree. Yeah. Even though he's on his wrong foot. Which just it says to me how far ahead Sergino Dest is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so maybe in that one scenario, possibly you're okay with Sergino Dest at left back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, be, think... I'd still be happy with him at right back. And honestly, he's not playing left back for Ajax because they think that's his best position. Mm-hmm. He's playing there because uh, Ajax already have a couple of right backs, right? They have Veltman and they have Mazrahi. Um, they only have Taliafico at left backs. They kind of need him to fill in there. Mm-hmm. It's just his his way into the Ajax first team squad is to play left back. It's not that they think that's his best spot. I agree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so so maybe yes is the answer. All right. Where were you on that? Were you pretty much the same as me? I think so. I, I, think it, I think it requires, if we're changing and changing and changing, then yes. But I, yeah. I think I would rather see Berhalter tinker with the system as it is and keep the yeah. left back as more of a left center back and then see who can do the right back to center midfield role and where does Tyler Adams, say, fit into this equation? Yeah. Where does DeAndre Yedlin fit in? Those are all questions I'd rather get answered first. What I really want is Sajuna Des to get called up in September. Yes. Yeah. And I think right so. Back. I think so. I mean, yeah. again, it's I'm I'm trying to be more, uh, if not realistic, then like calm in this approach. And I and I guess I will, like if Sergino Dest has a Tim Weah where he plays a game for Ajax because they're still having people come back, and then suddenly we don't see him again. Do I want a, a young Ajax player called into the national team when mm. maybe he could stay at the club and continue to develop while we have other right backs who could come in and prove themselves? I don't know. It's a toss-up. I wouldn't be against it, but I'm also not going to be furious if he's not in yeah. that roster. Let me give you the optimistic um, Kenneth Parcell vision. Uh-huh. There we <laughs> go. Bring Desperate. it full circle. He's going to play an occasional 20 minutes here and there for Ajax over the next month or two. He gets called up in September for yep. the games against, what, Mexico and Uruguay? Mm-hmm. Maybe he gets his senior national team debut. Yep. Then he's kind of like, really like, okay, I'm a US player. I, uh, the Netherlands aren't calling me. Netherlands have plenty of players, by the way. He's very far from the Netherlands' yeah. first team. Um, then by the time we get to the CONCACAF Nations League, He's part of the first-team squad. He's still occasionally appearing for Ajax. He's in the first-team squad there. We can cap-tie him in a CONCACAF Nations League game against Cuba or Canada. Mm. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. There we go. There we go. Problem I like solved. that. I did it. You did it. <laughs> uh, and I would add my, one final thing to yeah. connect this with like the dual nationals question. Also, Oh, the communication Yes, question. if you're calling someone up just to cap-tie them, like, flip that around and imagine the Netherlands did that with Sergino Dest. Like, they just called him up to an official competition, and then they had yeah. him, and that was it. Like, we'd be pretty mad, and if he never got to play for the national team, he would be too. Yeah. And I also think that that can happen with dual nationals going the other way, that if the U.S. is just calling people up to cap-tie them but then doesn't have long-term plans for them, now you're preventing them from playing from another team. Yeah. 
that doesn't look good for you either. And if that goes poorly, then suddenly if you're a dual national, maybe you're that much more hesitant to commit, but because of what happened to whatever other player who now can't play for a national team mm-hmm. anymore. And that's why my Kenneth Parcell version had Sergio Dess as part of the first yep. team Ajax squad, because mm-hmm. then on merit, you would think, okay, this guy's worth calling up Agreed. to the senior national team. Ready for the next question? I am. It's moving away from the men's national team. Hooray! Jim Gottemeyer um, says, or asks, why are teams in European countries and leagues like Scotland, where the last champion other than Rangers or Celtic was in 19? 19- 85 it's mm-hmm. probably Aberdeen under Alex Ferguson right um, why are those countries okay with not leveling the rules so that all teams could have a chance to win a title so essentially why aren't leagues like the Scottish Premier League enforcing parity so that teams like Rangers and Celtic can't run away with it and if not what are some options to rectify this so like Scotland specifically they've tried stuff they've tried to do the thing where at the end of the season they split the table in half and then the top yeah. half plays each other and like points are elevated and so teams could theoretically catch up yeah. so there's never enough to, no. to break the Rangers Celtic dominance which no. right now is kind of Celtic dominance right after Rangers uh, tax problems yes and I think that there is a like this is maybe me going too in depth on this one, but I feel like there's an element of if Celtic always win, then Celtic always win. And if you're an SPL team who maybe knows they can't compete financially, but you don't have five other teams who are constantly competing for the title, like put it this way, like Everton can finish sixth in the Premier League or seventh in the Premier League a few times, but eventually Not they're if fifth. Wolves have anything to do with it. <laughs> True. But like but no, that's a good point that if Wolves jump Everton, there's a feeling of like, oh no, now they're regressing. They we do. gotta like push even more. Yeah. We gotta make something else happen. Whereas I think if no matter what Celtic are winning, then maybe those owners are less inclined to spend the money that they don't really want to spend because it's not going to matter that much in the end. And from a league perspective, yeah. um, why kill your cash cow? Yep. That's, that's my mm-hmm. big thing. When the league is selling, say, the TV rights, one of the draws when you're the Scottish Premier League or Scottish Premiership is to say, hey, we've got Celtic, we've got Rangers, they're mm-hmm. the, sort of the Barcelona and Real Madrid of Scotland. If you want to screen the games of these teams, which have like so many loyal, passionate fans, you've got to pay us this much money, right? Mm-hmm. If you enforced some parity, where it would essentially involve knocking down what Celtic could spend uh, so that they're level with, you know, Midloth, uh, like Hearts and things like that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You suddenly make your cash cow less attractive. You kill your cash cow, essentially. Yeah. So you'd be destroying the most valuable um, property that you have when you're trying to sell your league. That's why they don't do it, because they, the, they want the big team so they can sell the league. Yeah, I mean, and look at, like, not quite on the same level, but look at what, what, what the Eredivisie did for Ajax last season, where they, like, moved a whole match so that they could rest more for their Champions League, because yeah, yeah. Champions League is a big part. That is where you get the most eyes on you when it comes to club soccer. Are there that many people watching Celtic and the SPL? No, or certainly not as many as are, are watching them if they're playing a Champions League group stage game. You so if you, yeah, so yeah. if you're weakening them or undermining them or making it harder for them to be what they are, you're making it harder for them to then compete oh, in Europe. Then they, then they can't compete, yeah. Exactly. So I, th- I think all of that factors into it. But then I also think it's kind of the unintended consequence of the way soccer has gone, that you've geared it more towards European super clubs and the like enthusiasm of competing in the Champions League and players will only play for Champions League teams and so if you're a Celtic who can pretty much guarantee at least a shot at playing in the Champions League usually mm-hmm. via playoff teams might or players might be more willing to sign for you than another SPL team that's offering more money because it's Celtic and now you might get to play in the Champions League I think that factors into it as well so in terms of options to mm-hmm. rectify this I think if we put aside any sort of league meddling to enforce parity because we assume they won't do it I would argue the only option is a Man City style option yep. where someone needs to some wealthy 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 person needs to take over mm-hmm. Aberdeen and spend loads Aberdeen. and loads of money and make them as big as Celtic yep. that's the only way this could happen right 
I mean, in Scotland specifically? Yeah, or, or yeah. anywhere else. So if yeah. you wanted mm-hmm. um, a team to compete with the big teams in Portugal, mm-hmm. you would need to take over like a mid-table Portuguese team and just pour money into it. Then you could compete with Porto. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Because we, we all like point to Leicester as the outlier, the 5,000 to one shot. Yeah, yeah. But again, they were a 5,000 to one shot. And it only happened once and then they sort of reverted to the norm. Exactly. Reverted to the mean exactly. um, the next season. Yeah, yeah. and so like, yes. Fired I, Ranieri. I think so. I, and I say that exactly. I oh, say you know, that, Premier League again? Fired. <laughs> Later. Uh, but, like, I say that to say that we tend to focus on, like, the rags to riches stories of, like, oh, Leicester came up and they won the Premier League. See, you can do it that way. But then they don't hold on. The teams that stay in contention are those teams that have the significant financial backing behind them yeah. or the historical reputation. If Celtic have both, then that's where they are. It's a slightly depressing answer, though, right? Mm-hmm. It's that you need some sort of oil baron to come and take over your yep. team. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's we've done it to ourselves. <laughs> Modern soccer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Today's show. Speaking of things that you've hopefully done to yourself. <laughs> today's show is sponsored by Manscaped, the number one men's below the belt grooming mm-hmm. company. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. I don't know what they could be referring I to. I don't know either. On the last uh, one of these, did we discuss that Alexis was going to be shaving people? Because I mean, that's a tweet that we got that I forgot about. You suggested that um, for our next demonstration, you, you would have Alexis use the Manscaped Lawnmower 2.0 on your co host. Yeah. <laughs> on you? Yeah. Oh, that wasn't nice of me. Uh-huh. I didn't say no. <laughs> See what Orlando did to me? I wasn't against it. <laughs> he did. In a tweet exchange, Alexis claimed he had a steady hand. Okay. See, there you go. <laughs> there you go, my friend. But if he didn't, you're kind of covered here because uh, with the Lawnmower 2.0, it has proprietary skin safe technology. Yay! So there won't be any nicks or snags. So even if Alexis is a little bit shaky, maybe he hasn't had his morning coffee, uh-huh. or maybe he's had too much morning coffee and is a little bit jittery. <laughs> Either way, you're safe, Daryl. Well, Don't worry. He has Cuban coffee. He right? does. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So Which he's tried to explain to me a thousand times, and every time he gets so lost in the details that I'm like, I can't follow this anymore. Espresso with sugar. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. That's yes. It. It's not It's not as fancy as he makes it sound. I love espresso the, with sugar. I love the moments of the Christian I translator. I know, you make a paste and all that business. When Christian, like, abbreviates what Alexis says in a five-minute thing and, like, just put just put sugar in coffee. It's like, thanks, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, Alexis, for uh, keeping my co-host groomed because they also have the crop preserver. Say, after uh, Alexis is done taking care of Daryl, uh, you know, shaving those areas, uh, the anti-chafing deodorant uh, and moisturizer, uh, the crop preserver. So it helps you kind of, like, stay fresh down there yeah. even in the 90-degree Orlando humidity. Yeah, so think of what you do to, to your armpits. Yes. You just do that to what I'm going to call your leg pits. <laughs> Good job. Good job, <laughs> Daryl. Um, and right now, our listeners can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TSS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your body mm-hmm. parts will thank you. And as, as Taylor said, 20% off and free shipping when you use the code TSS at manscaped.com. Link will be in the show notes as will the code. Can you guess what I was going to say? No, we're going to say manscaped.com TSS again. Thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring today's <laughs> episode. All right, Daryl, uh, I've got a question for you that comes from John Adams. This one oh, I've the done. Former president? Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. He <laughs> he emerged from his grave to ask a litigious and annoyed question. No, this one was very polite because it's the other John Adams. Uh, I've done some research on this one. Ooh, uh, I've done some brief research. There I we feel go. Like you might have done more. Uh, why are the South American mainland countries of Guyana, Suriname, and French Guiana part of CONCACAF instead of CONMEBOL? 
uh, which has all the other mainland countries from South America. Didn't we also get this question about Curaçao during yeah. the, uh, the mm-hmm. Gold Cup? Um, okay, my answer is that um, it's mostly cultural. Okay. Which is that if you think of the rest of the South American countries in Commonwealth, they're Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. or Portuguese-speaking in Brazil's, yep. Brazil's case, right? But they're, uh, they're Latin countries, yep. essentially. Um, Guiana, Suriname, French Guiana, they are... Uh, either former or current French or Dutch colonies. Guiana was British Guiana. Suriname was Dutch Guiana. French Guiana was French Guiana. Perfect. So British, Dutch, French. Yep. Think of where those colonies are. They're yep. mostly the Caribbean or the Caribbean. I can't yep. remember which way we which way we say either it. Either one's fine. Depends which side of the Atlantic you're on. Mm-hmm. So just culturally, um, these countries are much more similar to uh, Jamaica or yep. you know all those other Caribbean islands. So why not join CONCACAF? So you, you, that is correct, but there's another element of that. They're also geographically oriented towards the, the uh, Caribbean because basically, from, my, from what I understand, I have never been to Guiana, uh, but it's called like the Guiana Highlands are almost impassable, basically. Uh, uh, even by like air travel in the 1950s, it was still very, very risky to get from one to the other, whereas much easier to take a boat to Trinidad, to take a boat to Jamaica. Oh, so, so the Guiana Highlands is what you would take to go inland into the rest of South America. Exactly. You don't have oh, many wow. passes for that, basically. So there's a natural barrier. Exactly. So there's not a lot of movement back and forth. So to your point, yes, it, it doesn't become more like like similar to its Latin neighbors. They stay more Caribbean, British, French, uh, and Dutch oriented. It's easier to travel out that way. Yes. And so I don't want to, I'm not calling out John Adams on this because many, mm. many people ask this very similar question. I think mm. if you just look at it on a map, you're like, oh, it's connected to all those countries. Yeah. But if you go down to, you, as I've just learned, if you go down to ground level, you'll be like, oh, we, can't, we can barely get to the rest of South yes. America from here. Yes, there's that. <laughs> and then the final thing, which I think is, is pretty interesting, is that the three nations, literally those three, so John was very helpful with this question, uh, are founding members of the Caribbean Football Union. Okay. So that's the other element there, which predates CONCACAF. Uh, CONCACAF doesn't exist until a merger in 1960. That basically brings together like North America, which I believe was like uh, it would be Mexico, United States, Canada, and I think Cuba for whatever reason, and then Central America. Because it's in North America. Exactly. And then they, I guess that's true. <laughs> but you would think of it more as the Caribbean because the I Caribbean see. Football Union being the third, they yeah. all come together. That's CONCACAF. But even like before CONCACAF existed, these, country, these yeah. countries, these federations, even before some of them got independence, were already focused on so the Caribbean. That means these countries are founding members of CONCACAF as well, right? Exactly. I do know Suriname is, for example, because that's mm-hmm. the one I, I researched. There you go. And then the other thing is, honestly, if Guyana, Suriname, and French Guyana started to compete in Conmebol, mm-hmm. they would get destroyed every week. Yes. Right? So it's, it makes much more sense to play your games and compete with like – St. Kitts and Nevis mm-hmm. and so on, right? It's just more your, your similar standard. You've got more chance of having a competitive game than playing Brazil. Yep. And, <laughs> and when you say competitive game, that's also a key, key phrasing there as well because, as an example, French Guiana, not a FIFA nation. They're a member oh, of because Con- they're part of France. They're a full member of yeah. Concacaf, not a FIFA nation. This is what Florent Malouda could play for both, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think I think so. Except maybe also not because I think didn't they end up having to forfeit that game, even though he played oh. anyway? Well, okay, <laughs> not that he can, but yeah. he did. But 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 I guess. But it's it's worth I admire noting his can do spirit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's worth noting that like they're so European oriented. Yeah. Because as an example, French Guiana is still technically a part of France. Uh-huh. Like that's why. There we go. So I think we've answered that question very successfully. I hope so. Yeah. I Thank you so. for doing that research. The mountain, the, the Guiana, Guyanese highlands? Yes, Guiana highlands. I think that's what it was. I did not know about that, but that seems key to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. But basically, not being able to go one direction so you can only go the other yeah. explains why you would naturally go the other direction. There we go. Uh, ready for the next question? if you're an independent thinker <laughs> who likes mountain climbing Are you ready and for jungles. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, but if you do like mountain climbing and jungles, you take the crop preserver with you, you stay fresh the whole time, you don't chafe. That way, maybe you don't slip up 
up on the mountain because you're, you're fresh as a daisy. And then you could have joined Carnival. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Shreyas Romani uh-huh. says, with the injuries to players like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Marco Asensio and Nathaniel Klein this summer, do you think we're seeing the end of the era of big European clubs doing summer tours of the US? Shreyas says the risk of playing on all these subpar playing services just doesn't seem worth it anymore unless owners were willing to pivot to playing in smaller soccer-specific mm-hmm. stadiums. The short answer is no. <laughs> I was going to say, my answer to Dylan Tilbury's question was nope. So this time it was just going to be nope. Uh, but uh, my answer is because money. Is that is that a succinct enough answer for you? Absolutely. These yep. teams charge an absolute fortune mm-hmm. to turn up and play in the United States. Can we pause for a moment to say that yeah. I'm not sure. Like, th- I'm sure there are people out there who do not know that. I'm sure there are people who do. But like, can we pause on that one for a moment yeah. so you can explain that? What do you mean when you say these clubs um, charge? Okay, let's say the International Champions yep. Cup, mm-hmm. right? Teams don't just turn up to play in that because they want to win the International Champions Cup. Teams turn up to play in that because the organisers of the ICC, was it Relevant Sports? I think it's Charlie Stoltano, um, pays them a fortune. Yep. They get essentially an appearance fee mm-hmm. to come and play in the United States. That money is like so attractive that teams find it very hard to, to say no to it, even at the risk of uh, players getting injured. All right, so that, so that part's explained because, yeah, now, now it makes even more sense. It's not the, like, if they sell out the stadium, then they get a percentage of the tickets. Yeah. They may get that. I don't know, mm-hmm. but they're getting such a massive fee yep. that, yeah, it's always going to be worth game. it. Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. didn't turn up for free. No. They went like, oh, we, we'd love to play in... We've, we've always wanted to be in a skills competition. Yeah, we've always wanted to do the skills challenge. Yeah. We think uh, Joe Felix would do Since really well. Since 1996, or 98, when we first yeah. saw it, we knew that was for us. And I'm sure they enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure, I can't prove it, I don't think, because there's no paperwork, but I'm sure Major League Soccer or Soccer United Marketing paid Atletico yeah. a fee to turn up and play in the All-Star game. Yes, yeah. 100%. Uh, now, I interrupted you before when you were continuing on your uh, rant monologue just to ma- make sure it was <laughs> clear like that uh, club, clubs were paid. Where did you want to go from there or do you want me to jump in now? I mean, no, just that that is the reason yeah. why it won't stop happening. Yeah. All right. I mean, they could demand better playing surfaces, but the, the problem is if you're playing at, say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, say MetLife Stadium, mm-hmm. I think – it's a nice big stadium in New York, right? You can get more people in there. Jersey. Make more money. Sorry, Jersey. The New York area. Mm-hmm. Um, make more money there than doing it at Red Bull Arena just because the MetLife Stadium is bigger. Right. I don't know what the surface is normally. Is it artificial turf? I think it's grass. I but think. They, they do. I always see grass laid mm-hmm. over the top, right? And you see it in those like weird rectangular sections and there's little gaps between them and sometimes players trip up. But mm-hmm. if the option is we take a risk and we have this like temporary surface at MetLife Stadium and everyone, it's a bit shaky... Or we do it at, like, what's Red Bull Arena? 28,000-seat Red Bull Arena? Something like that. They're going to go MetLife every time. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and and with that in mind, I would say to Shreya's question, I'd say the opposite. I think we're in the beginning of this experiment. <laughs> I think, like, really, I mean, it's, it is it is only in, what, the last, like, 20 years that, like, even less than that maybe, that, like, teams started having these sort of competitions and tours. Like, yeah. the first one I remember around the first ones were, like, Manchester United when, like, Tim Howard first signed. So, like, early 2000s, late 1990s. Yeah. But I think we're probably moving in the direction of, like, they're going to, no, if anything, they're going to try to make the International Champions Cup more competitive. They're going to yeah. want it to be an actual thing that people mm-hmm. care about. At some point, I'm sure there will be some sort of way of having it be, like, a spot at the Club World Cup or something, like, oh, as a wow. way to incentivize it because I think that's what they want. They want to be able to make more money playing more games around the world where people otherwise wouldn't get to see them. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but um, I personally just don't like it. Like we've we've had sponsorship offers from things like the International Champions yep. Cup, and it always makes me feel a little bit like I don't know because you're going to charge two hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean? It, yeah, to see the reserves, to see the reserves, yeah. and, and to sort of like 
almost you. The thing that I get uncomfortable with is like that it feels like you're being used for branding. That mm-hmm. Liverpool, as an example, can say, or like Madrid can say, we sold out the big house in Michigan. Like that's how many people love Real Madrid. American sponsors give us more money. Like I, that. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. It's not as though they're coming here because. We're finally allowing our fans to see us in the flesh for all the years that they've supported us. If that were the case, they would have open training sessions that didn't require yeah. the corporate sponsor package. The, the thing that really grinds my gears, as Peter Griffin would say, is uh, just the idea that you're being sold a thing of, you get to see the real Real Madrid first team, mm-hmm. but then you turn up and it's it's a lot of reserves, right? It's yes. not the guys you expected to see. I appreciate that you didn't go the final Peter Griffin grind my gears route of just cursing out random things. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate your more articulate approach. I'll do, I'll do the off air. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, I think the reasons for not doing it are very obvious and very clear. Managers hate it. Players don't seem to like it. In Injuries happen. You have to play all over the place, traveling all over the place, yep. uh, getting used to random competitions against random opponents of varying quality. On and the with other all hand, that said, cash money. Cash money. <laughs> it all balances out, right? It all just, balances out. One thing out. weighs a lot heavier than anything else. Yes. Including uh, injuries to Asensio and Klein. <laughs> True. <laughs> but if, say, they got really severe injuries, like the <laughs> most type of severe injuries, Daryl, what could they or should they have done? That's a painful transition because we're about to talk about life insurance. That MetLife side would have to be pretty bad if life insurance was coming into uh, play. Bain is the groundskeeper at MetLife Stadium. Oh, well, so, that yeah. makes sense then. <laughs> See? That See? makes sense because today's show is sponsored mm-hmm. by Policy Genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These days, lots of workplaces a quick offer transition. some pretty nice perks. Uh-huh. So we go in the other direction here. Yeah. Bain is not running this. Mm-hmm. Um, a snack station, 15 flavors of soda water, even insurance. The sleeping pods that, that teams now have where players can go in and they like wear the glasses that remove like like blue light or whatever and they really? sleep in pods and they get like like maximum refresh and then they can go rack, right back Ooh. out to training. They just have those at airports. They I, love, sure. I love a nap at an airport sometimes. Except then it's like a shared sleeping space and yeah. that's always weird to me. But anyway, back to policy <laughs> genius. Yes, so they offer all these perks. But while it's nice to have a handful of trail mix and some water and a sleeping pod, uh, that's not enough to subsist on and neither is your workplace life insurance. This is where policy genius comes in. Policy Genius makes it easy to shop online for life insurance. In minutes or seconds, if you're really fast with your fingers, you can compare quotes from top insurers, find the right amount of coverage coverage mm-hmm. at the best possible price. The Policy Genius team can look at your workplace life insurance policy and help you decide what else you might need and what you don't. For example, if you are a person who randomly has life insurance that covers you in the country that you're operating in or the continent you're operating in, but not other ones. So if you are Ruben Loftusik and you come to the United States, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe you want life insurance that will definitely cover you in a certain part of the world. That's where Policy Genius comes in. Remember, workplace life insurance policies are like workplace snacks. Better than nothing, but not quite enough. But head to policygenius.com today and find out how to supplement your workplace life insurance and better protect your family. Policy Genius, it's like a buffet made of life insurance. What could be more more delicious than that. I want to say this for Policy Genius. We get a lot of copy to read from various advertisers. Often we don't read it word for word because it's, it's not that great. Policy Genius is pretty good. It really is. They had, if I was grading this, I would say they chose a theme mm-hmm. and they stuck with it. They did. Yeah. And they, they made did. some puns. Without being like, stick to the theme, but make it your own, yeah. which I do appreciate. <laughs> so thank you, Policy Genius, and go to policygenius.com. 
And thank you to Robert Cordova for our next question. Uh, why does the United States not compete in the 2019 uh, Pan American Games football competition? It starts next week. I think that's this week. Uh, but it doesn't seem like American soccer fans know that it exists. Yeah, so it's happening right now. If you don't know about the Pan American Games, mm-hmm. which I did not, yep. it's basically the Olympics but just for the continent of America, mm-hmm. all of America, right? South, North, Central. Yeah. Um, the U.S. qualified. for So the U.S. The US sends teams to the various events. It's in Lima, Peru this time. The U.S. qualified for the soccer tournament mm-hmm. by winning the CONCACAF U-20 championship, which also qualified us for the U-20 World Cup. That qualified us for the Pan American Games. We declined the invitation. Mexico went instead. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a U-22 competition. It is. With and three overage players, I think I read I in there. I think with three overage players, but teams are not releasing players hmm. for this tournament. So if you look at the Mexico team, the under twenty two Mexico team that is is competing there right now, I don't think you'd recognise many players Mm-mm. at all. Um, so I don't have like a firm answer on why US soccer declined the invitation, but my guess would be that we don't have the depth to be able to send a team. Yes, I would. Right? Like, MLS, but I would, MLS teams couldn't spare the U- U22 players to go off right. and play in the Pan American Games right now. I would extend that further to we don't have the depth also because of what this summer has been. We had the U20 World Cup. We had the U17s in action. Then we've got Major League Soccer ongoing. So, yeah, I think in terms of lots of players have played lots of different places. So maybe it's difficult to then get them cleared for another competition. And I think with that in mind, my answer to this is basically like the only reason why we would compete at the Pan American Games is if there were a specific reason behind it, similar to why Neymar played in the 2016 Olympics and not the Copa America or the Centenario. Yeah. Because it's like we want to win this, we're prioritizing this. Yeah. If you're not prioritizing it and sending at least a decent team with a decent coach, you're essentially expending funds to send a C team so that those yeah. guys get experience. You could argue that that's useful. You could also argue that if they're never really going to be on the radar when the United States is at full or reserve or like secondary reserve strength, then why uh, expend the resources? Because we could send a great U20 team and probably Certainly. win this tournament. Right? Yeah. We could send Christian Pulisic and Weston McKennie mm-hmm. and all those guys, but then they'd be missing what, the, the start of the season with their clubs, and their yeah. clubs would not thank them no. for it and wouldn't let them go in the first place. Is it an official competition? Forgive me if you've already said that. I don't think it's an official FIFA competition. Yeah, exactly. So so then, yeah. so Similar then, to the Olympics where you're not, you're not sort of obligated to release players. So then the question I've seen was why not send a, like a college all-star team yeah. as a way to like incentivize playing college soccer? Wait, so when does college soccer start? Uh, the preseason starts in the summer, basically. Like I bet some so, teams are – most teams are probably a couple weeks away, I think, from sending people. Maybe a week away. You'd still be interrupting the start. Like if you're the Stanford coach, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be keen to let your best couple no. players go because it ruins the, your preparation for the season. Exactly. Maybe that's the reason we don't send a college team. That yeah. makes sense. Injuries and money are usually the answer. Injuries and money. I would love the official answer on this. Maybe we could just um, mm-hmm. contact uh, U.S. Soccer and just ask for – like we're not looking to – bash why mm-hmm. why you don't send a team I'm just genuinely interested in why you don't want to send a team to the pan-american games and for example uh, mexico do i'm sure there's a quite reasoned explanation for it that's probably one of the things we just mentioned we just don't know which one correct <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna say mostly answered but maybe we'll reach out to you well, soccer and i've got see. one question for you would you like to see us send a team no no okay <laughs> It's just too, it's too just a, low it's down another, the totem pole. No, it's just another thing for us to have to cover. <laughs> okay. I'm, you, I'm already not going to be here to preview the Premier League. I don't need to be missing another competition on top. Okay, if you weren't um, 
putting out all the podcast content. Yes, I'd want to, I want the team to go. You would. What, yeah. for like, those players to get a tournament experience type thing? I am still one of those people who wants to see the U.S. playing in a competition. Just so no yeah, matter what. I, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So Put it's, them in the International Champions Cup. And there's always going to be that, <laughs> like, similar to, perfect, uh, similar to what, like, uh, Julian Gressel has become of, like, see, it's why the draft still matters. Yeah, you yeah. know there'd be one player who suddenly made a reserve roster somewhere and it would be like, oh, see, see, Pan American Games. You never know what you're going to find there. We could unearth some hidden gems, right? See? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe okay. we call in some dual nationals and then we trick them and tell them it's an official competition and now they're captied, <laughs> done and dusted. So when the other federation calls, they'll be like, oh, sorry, I'm captied. Yes. And we, even though they're not. Exactly. Oh, it's a genius plan. To Problem solved. Genius plan. Yeah. We should trick all our players. That's how you keep them. All right. Next question mm-hmm. comes from Kai Weitinger. Kai asks, when our current U.S. men's national team youngsters become old veterans, who will be treated like Michael Bradley, i.e. upsetting everyone that he is still playing? Not everyone, just some people on mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, and who will be welcomed to the roster with open arms regardless of age, like Deuce, Tim Howard, Landon Donovan, etc.? It's a tricky time to answer this question because I think settling on a, like, who is our definitive best 11, like, who is our, our guaranteed starters if we're playing in a competition, you could do it, but it w- you'd still have those gaps of, like, yeah, but that's definitely a placeholder until two years from now when three more players can challenge for that spot. So I say that just to say that there's no, like, okay, well, we've definitely got this striker who's going to be, you know, like, I could say Jesse Zardes, but, but Jesse young, Zardes annoys people now. Right, but there are young stars, like, mm-hmm. right now, like Christian yeah. Pulisic, Weston McKennie, Tyler Adams, mm-hmm. who we assume will be playing for the national team for the next 10 years plus, mm-hmm. right? So, like, take those three guys, and when they hit 32, who will be like, oh, we still got this guy? Like, we'll be like, oh, Pulisic doesn't have the pace anymore. He's not going past anyone. Maybe we don't need him so much anymore. I could see that scenario. I could see that a lot of Pulisic's game is based on his pace to go past people. And if he loses that and his game hasn't changed in the intervening decade, which it might, um, I could see people being like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe we don't need him anymore. Yeah. I, I, I could see the same with... Tyler Adams has lost a step. He's not closing people down That's, anymore. I was going to say, I think all three of those are surprisingly, because I think Weston McKinney, I have as like sim- more similar to Jermaine Jones in terms of player model, of like charging yeah, yeah. all over the place, box to box, will put out fires, might be overly aggressive, but can make up for it because he's young, yeah. because he can recover fast in terms of his fitness. And he's like a good attacking player, right? He's exactly. killer passes and things like that. But if that starts to go, if some of that fitness, if some of that mobility goes... It's the same thing that happened to Jermaine Jones. Suddenly we're like, should they be a center back? Should we keep calling them in? Yeah, That's yeah. one. And then Tyler Adams is the same. Yeah, if he loses a step and gets a little bit slower, he'll still have the passing ability. But that's like a direct comparison to Michael Bradley. Not that Bradley was ever Tyler Adams fast, but just that. He was all over the place. We called him yeah. the apex predator. I remember we used to call him an MB90 was his other nickname. Yes. Of like He goes the full 90 every time, he was, he was but not in a critical way. Yeah. yeah. But like once that like mobility goes, you I can just see the like, I remember Tyler Adams and he covered every blade of grass. And now I just... I don't know. Like, I don't know if he can still do it anymore, even yeah. if he's like the best passer on the team. It won't matter. So, we've essentially said all three might end up in Michael Bradley territory. I like, mean, anything can happen. <laughs> I mean, I would argue Tim Howard towards mm-hmm. the end, there were, we were maybe a little too soft on him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of the goals against Trinidad, he did not look particularly mobile. I mean, everybody. He, the adductor kept going, remember in that qualification period? He, oh, yeah. Yeah, he it's, couldn't take goal kicks. It's the, uh, the Jack Black rant from High Fidelity of like, is it fair to judge a formerly great artist by his latter day sins? Is yeah. it better to burn out than to fade away? <laughs> uh, and like, here, like, look, I mean, look at the three that are listed there uh, Clint Dempsey, Tim Howard, Landon Donovan. 
Donovan, maybe just because of the 2014 World Cup, yeah. it feels it's like... We oh, still he, wanted to see him, we weren't allowed to. Exactly. It's the opposite situation. But, right? like, Tim Howard, you're absolutely right that we were both like, still? Still Tim Howard? Mm-hmm. That's the best we're doing. And then he we, well, we weren't really vocal about it, and a lot of fans weren't against him. And I think a lot of that goes to his performance at the 2014 World Cup yep. engendered so much goodwill. We were that was, worried, like, his great album. I that agree. You, that you're just pleased to see him anyway. Well, Whereas, we were worried about that distribution, though. I remember we were, the distribution, yeah. and I remember some of the, like, ooh, that's a little bit slower than we've yeah. seen Tim Howard be. But we were never like, Mm-mm. maybe we should drop him. Uh, maybe not, but oh, no, I feel not like vocally. We, were, we didn't campaign for it. I feel, no, but I feel like we were just sort of like, I think there was more of a like, ah, <laughs> eh, we'll just call that goalkeeper in. That's fine. Glenn Dempsey was one that you and I talked about how he shouldn't be starting anymore. Like yeah. that we had that conversation. I kind of like the Bruce Arena plan of have him as a secret yeah. weapon on the bench. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think everybody has their moments where they start to be like, ah, maybe we don't need you as much. But yeah, I guess it comes down to how vocal those yeah. cries are. And I think... If we're looking at, like, the player, this is where, to my initial point, this is why it's tough to say it because, like, I don't feel like I know Tyler Boyd well enough to know his disposition, how much fans like him, or even if he'll be around long enough to be in this position to be Michael Bradley. I don't know how many of those players we have on the rosters right now. The three that we've talked about are the three that I would expect to be in there most consistently. So those are the three that make the most sense to me. Here's actually what I've just realized is it's not about the players or their playing style Mm -hmm. and how that changes. It's about events. It's about Michael Bradley being part of the failure to qualify and Mm -hmm. being the captain when we failed to qualify. Plus the return to Toronto. I think those are like... Plus the return to Toronto. So like career things that have happened are what turn fans against players. Mm -hmm. Whereas again, Tim Howard because he had the 2014 World Cup everyone was a lot more forgiving of when he wasn't looking good in 2017 Mm -hmm. so I think it's impossible to project because we don't know what happens between now and then agreed right yeah yeah Yeah. okay We'll wait and we see. Sort of answered that. Hopefully. It's a tough question, Kai. It is. I mean, uh, but I think there's other ones. Like if John Brooks keeps having injury issues, there's going to be that sort of like, why do we keep calling this guy in? He's always injured. He's never point. consistent. Yeah. Like that's one. If Matt Miazga, maybe if he stays at Reading for like his whole career and like and doesn't move to that next level, then it's like we, this championship guy we keep calling in. There's always <laughs> reasons why it might not work out. Yeah. With all that said, the other one that we have not mentioned that I think is on the edge of it is maybe DeAndre Yedlin right now. That, like, he's a guy who will probably keep getting called in, but we've already talked about deaths. We've already talked about Nick Lima, who've had strong showings at right back. Reginald Cannon? We got Reggie Cannon in there. Then we could have Tyler Adams in there. That question of, like, should DeAndre Yedlin keep getting called in? Exactly. You want to get him cap tied and trick him? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, like DeAndre Yedlin might be that one that, like, really? We're calling in DeAndre? Like, I'm not saying this is the case, but, like, or even that I agree, but like there may be those people who are like, really, we're calling in DeAndre Edlin and not Nick Lima, who's starting and has proven he could do it, or or not Sergino Dest. Like I, I could see that narrative happening fairly quickly too. It also depends what happens to Yedlin in the Premier League. Also that this year, we don't know if Steve Bruce is a Yedlin oh, yeah. fan. Or not. You mean when Newcastle get relegated? <laughs> is that what you meant? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, that's. A, by the way, we have not done any uh, Premier League previews so far. I don't think you've done anything uh, in terms of like recording or interviewing people. Uh, that's a nailed-on prediction for me. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, they're getting relegated. Oh. Sorry, Newcastle fans. It's not your fault. And then if you think of like who people might want to buy from Newcastle, mm-hmm. like if they want to pick the carcass of Newcastle if yeah. it goes down, like Miguel Almiron might yep. get some offers. I'm not sure Yedlin is going to be like a, a line of Premier League teams being like, oh yeah, get us, get us some Yedlin. This whole season for Newcastle, I think, should just be the goodwill hunting gif of Robin Williams saying it's not your fault over and over and over Soon. again to the Newcastle fans and maybe the players too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's about where I am with that. Oh, Rafa Benitez went to see about a girl. He did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In China. <laughs> All right. Eight questions asked and I really, answered. I really hope that's what he says. If you, if you have a question for us, please submit it via totalsoccershow.com slash 
questions. Hopeless romantic um, Rafa Benitez. We, <laughs> we mentioned we – mentioned, uh, he'd be very tactical about it though. He certainly uh, would. He'd, <laughs> yeah, he's not just aimlessly driving to the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. He's going exactly where he needs uh, to at the exact right moment in order to make it happen at the exact right time. You have right a defensive time. game plan. Exactly. <laughs> we love answering questions that are just questions. Mm-hmm. If you like submit your opinion and then put thoughts question mark on yes. the end – there's a good chance we don't answer it. Here's my so, 36-page thesis. Yeah, just give us a question that ends that's in thoughts, question mark? one or two or at most three sentences, mm-hmm. right? Just a question and we'll answer your question. I mean, I, I am, com slash questions. I will say I tend to be on the longer side in terms of my emails and my uh, language, if yeah. that wasn't obvious from me talking right now. So I understand the inclination to write a whole paragraph. Yeah, yeah. But, you, know, you don't have to justify your question. Uh-uh. You just got to ask it and we'll probably answer it at some but point. But I've definitely done that thing where like I write this long thing that's very carefully chosen I'm like, oh, this is the the picture of wit. And then I like read it later. I'm like, that was real long. <laughs> like, and it's, it's really easy in the moment to see your words as like unique and amazing when yeah. in reality they're just a wall of text to and somebody else. And we appreciate else. a chuckle when we get of a course. clever email. But you've mm-hmm. got, also got to bear in mind we get so many questions mm-hmm. and so many emails. It's actually a lot of words for us to read. Sometimes my eyes fall out. So we always appreciate a short, sharp, to the point question or email. And then I have to call Daryl the Wambulance because of all the tears. <laughs> uh, we also get many, 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 many scouting reports yeah we've done a bad job of reading uh, we have reports, done a ba- bad job of scouting reports we are going to try to get caught up yeah uh, we can't use women's world cup as an excuse anymore we can't it's, it's been done and we over. were away and then women's world cup and things and such yeah. but yes we're going to try to get caught up but there are some that are like very old so maybe we'll combine those as more come in uh but yes here's our attempt to get caught up with the scouting network but before we do that daryl should we talk about what the scouting network is yes it's one of the ways we support the total soccer show one of the ways you can support the total soccer show you sign up it's five dollars a month or more there are five ten fifteen twenty twenty five options if you go for ten dollars we guarantee to answer a listener question per month as well at totalsoccershow.com slash join totalsoccershow.com slash join um whatever level you sign up at five or more uh, we assign you a young player to keep an eye on and send us nice, brief scouting reports. And then we can update listeners. It's a really good content segment of the show. It keeps us updated on youngsters like, say, Danny Laver, who mm-hmm. I see there's a scouting report coming up on. Uh, young Americans, exciting players overseas, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we have this section at the end of the show where we read the scouting reports. Let's read those scouting reports right, you now. You go first or you want me to go first? I don't know. Uh, Richie is Garcia. It, is it good news? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Scouting Emerson Hyman, the 23-year-old American midfielder on loan at Atlanta United. Uh, Emerson has been building chemistry with his teammates, going the full 90 in a 2-0 win against DC United and a 4-3 loss in a wild match versus LAFC. I saw that one. The important thing to note was that when Atlanta were trailing 4-3, DeBoer chose to take out their most expensive player, P.T. Martinez. He was not fi- happy about it. He was not in the 59th minute, left Emerson in the game. He's key. Finally, Emerson Hyman is key. Hooray! Yeah. Francisco Samiento is scouting mm-hmm. Danny Laver, the 16-year-old. This is You and Bobby talked about him on the Top Draw Soccer Show, yep, right? Yep, uh, 16-year-old American midfielder for the Seattle Sounders. Um, Francisco says, Laver played the full 90 for the third game of his Seattle Sounders career. So full professional minutes at 16 years old. Decent. And was involved in the build-up that led to the eventual Jordan Morris goal that helped Seattle get the win. Francisco hopes that Laver gets captied soon as a number six for the US, as he's also eligible for Mexico Uh Francisco my friend you gotta wait you gotta wait (laughs) wait he's 16 years old he's playing for the U17s he might play at the U17 (laughs) World Cup we are not captain a 16 year old just to captain why not Daryl what are you afraid of what if Mexico gets him? I'm afraid of us just like randomly giving caps away to players who, like, honestly, your conversation with Bobby was mm-hmm. about how Danny Laver's running style yeah. is weird, and maybe that might be a detriment to him in the long run. Yes. Yeah. 
Like he's hunched over a little bit. It's so weird to be mean to a 16-year-old. I know. Well, but also, there's a lot to like about Danny Laver as well. There so, is yeah. indeed. There's a lot to like about Tyler Boyd, who's scouted by Nathan Heilman. Uh, Tyler Boyd, the 24-year-old American winger for... Tosh. All-American. We didn't even have to say New Zealand. Uh-uh. Uh, after completing his expected transfer and signing a four-year contract, right. uh, Tyler Boyd came, uh, made an eventful debut in a friendly against, uh, I'm going to say, Kochailaspor in a 7-1 to win. That's what I would have gone with. Uh, I think there's probably a hook there. If not, then it's Kochailaspor. Uh, Boyd came on at halftime and was credited with two assists, although in reality one of them was an MLS secondary hockey assist and was heavily involved in the buildup that led to another goal. Uh, his best moment was the MLS assist where he bodies up the left back on the ball over the top to get possession or position, excuse me, then skins the same poor left back <laughs> to get to the touchline and slide in a pass to the near post where it was flicked across to uh, Ozan Akun, uh, Akgun uh, at the back post for the goal. I'm still excited about Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. Something weird happened at the Gold Cup. We still don't know was it an injury or did he fall out with uh, Behalter in some weird way. But there was enough there for me to think. There's going to be some Tyler Boyd moments for the U.S. men's national team. If he's doing stuff for Besiktas this season. There's yes. definitely reason to keep calling him in. Look out, Canada. We're going to crush you in the CONCACAF Nations League. In your face. Yeah. Nick Imhoff is scouting Emmanuel Sabi, the 21-year-old American forward for Holbrook. generous maple leaf face. <laughs> Nick says, Sabi picked up his second goal and second Man of the Match award in three games this season. He lost his defender by dummying to create space and then sent a curler into the side netting. I saw this on Twitter. This is a great goal from Emmanuel Sabi. It is. Did have you, you know seen that, it? I have. Did you know that he has a teammate? Two American teammates, in fact, at Hobro. Who are they? One, I forget who the other one is, but one is Christian Kappas, <laughs> scouted by Mark Counterman. Uh, Christian Kappas, I think it's Kappas and not Kepi. Travis and I have had this conversation many times. 19-year-old American midfielder for Hobro. Uh, Kappas came off the bench to help Hobro draw on the road against uh, Eschberg. Uh, he sent a tremendous long ball in for the tying assist in the dying moments. All right, so Hobro is a team to watch. Roland Klein is scouting... Said everyone all the time. Scouting Colin Fernandez, mm-hmm. 22-year-old Peruvian-American midfielder for St. Louis FC. Roland says the one-time Chicago Fire signee made his triumphant return to the Lou last Saturday, playing 75 minutes in a 3-0 win over Bethlehem Steel. He notched an MLS assist by beating two Bethlehem Steel defenders to find Mastacacha, whose cross was nodded home by Kyle Grieg to open the scoring in the 41st minute. That's Colin Fernandez, Peruvian-American. And potential but likely congratulations to St. Louis on their potential possible uh, MLS expansion bid. Oh, yeah. Isn't there an announcement in St. Louis coming soon? Uh, yes. Whatever could that be? <laughs> what if it's just a rejection? Like, nah. And they walked off the stage. Good stuff, John Garber. Just Garber going thumbs down <laughs> like John McCain did for the yep. uh, Republican health Exactly. And walking away. I, I would have gone Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator. Yours is better. Uh, Brian Hoysa scouting Sergino Dest. Mine was a happier moment for me. This is definitely true. Uh, Sergino Dest, 18-year-old Dutch-American fullback for Ajax. What, you wanted Maximus to die? No, I wanted McCain to vote no. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, Dest but, made- you know why? I want to live. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay, fine. That's fair. Uh, Dest made his debut with Axe's first team last Saturday, playing left back for the entire match in a 2-0 win over PSV in the Dutch Super Cup. Yeah, he sure did. He played like he belonged and nearly scored when he hit the posts. It was a little bit selfish when he hit the post. I don't know if you saw this, but he probably should have been squaring that. Hey, you know what? Yeah. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Daryl. <laughs> Michael Scott, also Wayne Gretzky. Well, in this game, you know, Dest missed 100% of the shots he did take, so... No comment. <laughs> he did look good, though, apart from that. Um, Russell Varner is getting Alex Mendez, the 18-year-old American midfielder for Ajax. Brilliant. Uh, Russell Varner says, 
in a Professor Hubert Farnsworth voice. Good news, everyone. Thank you. I couldn't do it. Thank you very Nor much. Nor can I, but there you go. You really could. About a year and a half after leaving the US for SC Freiburg, Mendes has agreed to a move to Ajax, where he will join Sergino Dest in their attempt to overtake Borussia Dortmund as the new European power with the most young American players. The deal is reportedly through June 2022, um, and per a poorly worded Google translation of an article, he's expected to join, quote, the selection of young Ajax ASAP. That means he'll play for young Ajax in the second tier. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and we, we talked about this on the Cooligans, right? Uh, so people may not have heard it, but if you get signed in the Netherlands and you're a non-EU uh, player, you have to be paid a certain salary, which means uh, they've properly invested in Alex Mendes. Woo! Really excited for him at Ajax. Proper investment. He's the He's new good. Christian Eriksen. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Jonathan Faylor scouting Moses Nyman. Is he really the new Christian Eriksen? Eriksen was Ajax and an attacking midfielder and has great passing. This is exciting. That's what I'm saying. A future player who won't leave Tottenham. (laughs) Moses Nyman, 15-year-old American midfielder for Loudoun United. Moses came on in the 64th minute with Loudoun leading Louisville City 1-0 and had a weekend to remember. He got an uncredited assist when he beat a defender and then had his 1v1 attempt saved by the goalkeeper. His teammate then put home the rebound. I saw this. This was all over Twitter, right? It was. Three minutes later, also on Twitter, uh, he got his first pro goal after making a smart run and then calmly finishing from close range. He looks poised on the ball but struggles with defending due to his small size. That's because he's only 15. He Yes, exactly. And he is very small. We've talked about him on Top Drawer several times. He is very good. I'm really excited to see him. We say American midfielder. I'm not sure he has his U.S. citizenship yet. I don't I think he does. I know it's in the works, it and is. then we can get really excited. Exactly. Oh. Willie Reed is scouting Jesus Viejo, the 22-year-old Spanish centre-back on loan at Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club from Real Madrid. Willie says, in news that should excite Daryl, it does, Madrid sent Viejo to Wolves on a season-long loan in hopes that he will, one, stay fit, and two, get regular minutes. I think one is dependent on the other, right? Um, he had a muscle injury and two separate hamstring injuries last season alone. Willie, Willie is curious where Daryl sees Viejo in the Wolves' depth chart. Mm-hmm. So, Wolves play back three, uh, Bennett, Cody, and Bowley. My guess is that he could supplant uh, Ryan Bennett um, as part of that back three if he stays fit. Oh, yeah, because I think, I forget what the move was, but there was a move recently that meant that they had more Portuguese players than English players. They signed two, like, 18-, 19-year-old yep. uh, Portuguese up-and-comers. It's yeah. good of you all to make yeah. Portugal the best uh, country in the world. Well, Isvia has not... Uh, contributing to that as a Spaniard, no, right? That's yeah. good. Less good than many, news. Many Iberian players. Yes. <laughs> uh, less good is the news coming from Lewis uh, Tidrick, scouting Shaft Brewer Jr., the 19-year-old American winger for Unattached FC. Well, I've heard they're good. After several months of not playing and seemingly not being a part of the team uh, anymore, Shaft and LAFC mutually agreed to part ways this week. Uh, he may- only made four appearances this season. Ooh, mm. what next for Shaft Brewer? Because he was at Leipzig, right? So things were... You never know how, how things go. Taylor doing do. a downward motion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Oscar Leung is scouting. Was that supposed to be off air and no one knows about it? What? No, Sorry. that's fine. Uh, Oscar Leung is scouting Michael Oberfemi, the 19-year-old Irish forward for Southampton. Oberfemi seems to have recovered from the hamstring injury that has kept him out since February. He came on at the half in the Saints' 3-1 friendly win over Feyenoord. He won two free kicks and looked lively. Go on, Michael are. Oberfemi. Go on, Michael Oberfemi. Go on, Mason Holgate. Scouted by Ben Tondera. Mason Holgate, the 22-year-old English defender for Everton. Everton's move for Kurt Zuma has not materialized yet, meaning Holgate has been filling in as Everton's third center back in preseason. He started in their friendly against Sevilla last week. 
Everton preview booked and coming next week. John Adams, not that one. It's him again, scouting Shayan Harrison, the 22-year-old English striker for Almere City. Harrison turned down a one-year contract from Tottenham that would have kept him among their youth ranks. Instead, John says, Shayan Harrison opted to leave on a free in search of more regular first-team minutes, which is banking he will get at Almere City, who finished seventh in the Dutch second division last season. Mm-hmm. He's had an interesting career so far. He sure has. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see where he ends up. I hope Amir City also have a good nickname like the Shrimpers or the Glovers. <laughs> I think two places that Shayon has played. Uh, John Roeder scouting Jakob Brun Larsen, the 20-year-old Danish attacker for Borussia Dortmund. John was able to see JBL, uh, I think also a wrestler, but in this case, <laughs> Jakob Brun Larsen, uh, in person in South Bend, Indiana, where Dortmund stomped on Liverpool and Brun Larsen scored. Uh, JBL has played mostly as a winger in the past, but late last season and all of this this preseason, he's looked to be the third-choice striker when Paco Alcazar uh, or Mario Götze need a break or when Götze is playing in midfield. I just assumed Dortmund would sign a striker at some point. <laughs> I guess not. It would make sense. Jeff Markman is scouting Reese Nelson. They're just waiting for, uh, as has been the tradition, they're waiting for Robert Lewandowski to get a little bit past it, and then they'll just uh-huh. sign him again. That seems to be what they're they doing. Did, they beat Bayern in the German Super Cup the other day. Jadon Sancho is good. There we go. Mm. See? Uh, uh, maybe Lewandowski comes back. Jeff but you know Mar- what I mean? They did it with Götze, and now they've done it with Matt Hummels, so I think Lewandowski's next. <laughs> Jeff Markman is scouting Reese Nelson, 19-year-old English forward for Arsenal. Jeff says Reese Nelson's performances have grown as the preseason has progressed, and he was rewarded with a goal for Arsenal in the centenary friendly at Angers. That was his reward. In the right place at the right time, Nelson pounced on a rebounded shot to bring the Gunners level early in the second half. His aggressive dribbling forays and quick feet appear to intimidate defenders in a way seen too rarely in Arsenal opponents in recent seasons. That's always positive. (laughs) Uh, Final report today comes from Paul Braff, scouting Anthony Fontana, 19-year-old American midfielder for the Philadelphia Union. After playing most of the season with the Bethlehem Steel, Fontana has been regularly appearing as a substitute for the Union's last five games. His appearances uh, have included an opportunity opportunistic goal against Chicago after he subbed on for Marco Fabian uh, and an MLS assist against Orlando City uh, in the 90th minute to tie the game. Thank you uh-huh. to everybody uh-huh. for the many, many scouting reports that we are finally getting to read on the Total Soccer Show. Joe, Joe gets choked up about it. He's, <laughs> that's how much he cares about the scouting network. He's really missed it. Now it's back. He feels better. I think Christian Polanco style, my, <laughs> my voice is going. Should I give you an emotional speech about Ali Krieger? Yeah, please. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. But please go back and I, listen. You asked. I said yes. I would like your emotional speech now, please. Go listen to the Cooligans episode. Okay, yeah. fine. The Cooligans crossover episode a few mm-hmm. shows ago with Christian Polanco. You can go back and find that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, not included in today's scouting reports. I'm not sure if we get reports on him. Haji Wright is playing for Ve Venlo. We probably are, but I kind of went back... Uh, like as far as I could where they were still relevant and yeah, tried yeah. to catch us up from there. Okay, so hopefully you get one in the future because yep. you played for them recently and suddenly look good. I mean, so, we still have plenty of scouting reports in the scouting report oh. documents, <laughs> so yes, there's a decent chance he's in there. All right. And again, if you would like to join the Scouting Network, it's totalsoccershow.com slash join. Indeed. All right, anything else to add, Taylor, before we sign off here? Nope. No, not not even a thing. It's vacation time, baby. It's vacation. You're already, you're already checked <laughs> I'm already out. on the beach. <laughs> Much like Newcastle won't be because they'll be relegated. Oh, well, I will say Taylor Rockwell, <laughs> thank you. Tim Catcher's going to be mad at you. Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today in this office. Bring it on, Tim. Right back at you, Daryl. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. 